Good evening, welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. You can see here President Trump right now live in Tucson, Arizona. Producer AJ is going to be monitoring that for us. If there's any breaking news coming out of that conversation, that uh, speech, we will have that for you as soon as we hear. We want to start that out with some breaking news. This has now just taken place moments ago. Fargo City Mayor Tim Mahoney officially saying yes to a mask mandate. So now if you're indoors, this is effective immediately. I'm going to share with you the clip in a moment, but you now have to wear a mask inside any public place. Now, remember, Mayor Mahoney has voted against this several times in the past. You've heard Governor Burgum say mask mandates. Yeah, I would do them if they really worked. All you got to do is look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin right now has got a positivity rate of over 21%. Let me repeat that. Wisconsin has a mask mandate in place, has a positivity rate of over 21%. North Dakota, just over 8%. You're going to hear more about that in just a moment in my interview with Dr. Shelley Lenz. But first, here's Mayor Mahoney just moments ago at the Fargo City Commission meeting announcing his citywide mask mandate. As a community, we must all do our part to greatly reduce the spread of this deadly COVID-19 disease, and therefore I am issuing this mandate to every person, family, business, and store in the city to adopt appropriate measures accordingly. The COVID-19 face covering shall require every person shall within the city of Fargo wear a face covering over the mouth and nose in all indoor environments where they're exposed to non-household members and where social distancing of six feet or more cannot be assured and in all outdoor settings where there is exposure to non-household members unless there exists ample space of six feet or more to practice social distancing. Although these measures are being mandated with the strongest possible recommendation, there is no penalty for non-compliance to this mandate. The mandate should take effect immediately and should remain in effect until the underlying state of emergency has ended. Did you hear that last word towards the end there? There's no penalty for non-compliance. So let's put a mandate in place and have no penalty for non-compliance. You want to know how you like translate that? That's called caving to the social media mob, folks. That, that's essentially what's happened here. Look, I get it. Mayor Mahoney's got to do what he's got to do. You got to appease people that want to see that happen. But to put it in place, he's a doctor and to have no penalty if you don't do it, we'll see if it makes an impact. Maybe it will. Maybe it will make an impact in the Cass County numbers. I think you and I both agree if there's something that can at least start to reduce the COVID cases and more importantly, you see the death rate, which we're going to talk about in a moment here with Dr. Shelley Lenz. If we can start to lower that, then, hey, I'm for doing anything we can that's going to make a difference. I just don't know if you've got enough data right now to show that a mandate, masks might help, but if a mask mandate, especially with no teeth to it, will actually make a difference, time will tell. Also, I want to share this with you. Fargo City Commissioner Arlette Preston spoke just right after uh, Fargo Mayor Tim Mahoney did, and she ended up... I guess you could say essentially scolding Fargo City Commissioner Tony Garrick and Dave Pepcorn for not wearing their masks at, tonight, at tonight's meeting. This is a rhetorical question, but Commissioner Pepcorn, at the last meeting, you informed residents in the crowd that they will be removed if they don't follow the rules of our meetings. I would ask both you and Commissioner Garrick, who um, both came in without masks tonight, should that also be the case if you're not following city policy for wearing a mask in city buildings? I watched the police officers who were kind enough to try to regulate individuals that were coming in without masks. Um, I hate to say this, but you're not, you're not making it easier for them. Commissioner Gehrig, Commissioner Pepcorn, you rebels. Hopefully they're going to follow the rules from here on out since it's now a mandate 
we will see. Speaking of the COVID situation in North Dakota, earlier today I had a great opportunity to sit down and visit with veterinarian Dr. Shelley Len. She's running as the gubernatorial candidate for the North Dakota Dem NPL. We just had an outstanding conversation about the current situation of COVID here in North Dakota. Here's part one of our conversation. Join us now, Dr. Shelley Lynn. She's a veterinarian and she's running for governor in the great state of North Dakota with the, De the Dem NPL. I got to be specific about that for Dr. Shelley. Dr. Shelley, it's always great to chat with you. I want to really focus today on the COVID situation, you know, obviously the campaign as well, but let's get into the numbers. And unfortunately, the numbers just seem to be trending um, in the wrong direction for our state. Now, the, the cases piece, I'm going to share with you some more, more recent graphics today from the New York Times, the cases piece, you know, we lead the nation as far as cases per 1,000. I think you can make an argument there that much of that is due to testing. The, the number that I really have been focused on as of late is obviously the, the deaths per 100,000. And you can see here, I mean, we're almost two times the, 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 the second place state as far as deaths per 100,000. So my question to you is, why are the numbers in North Dakota seem to be going in such a wrong direction? Well, this was predictable and preventable. And as you remember, when I visited with you a few months ago, um, this is a pandemic. And pandemics, if not, if there's not an early re detection, early response, you will get it out of control. It's exponential threat spread. Um, and it's spread by shared air. And so this was predictable and preventable. The initial uh, numbers um, were not clearly informing the public. As a scientist and a veterinarian, we saw this March 25th when I closed my clinic and I started preparing my business and my community for the long haul. And so, um, but now the numbers are so bad, even non-scientists can see that this was not handled well. So and I just want to make a mention on the testing. The testing isn't telling you what, it, what you think it is. That's misinformation. Testing, the testing that we're doing is telling us that we're not testing enough and the, the intervention that we're doing isn't working. That's what you use for the, the prevalence that he's using. All right, let's get to the testing in a moment. But you say this predictable and preventable, and yet nobody on the planet has been able to prevent it. So why, why would you be the one person that could have prevented this? Oh, I'm not the one person. It's been, it's been slowed down and prevented in New Zealand, Vermont, Manitoba. Now, it is a pandemic because it's, it was a very poor global, especially United States, a very poor um, national response. That means, you know, we have borders. And so if it's a normal foreign invader, like of a human, we, we bring in the military, we protect our borders. But now this is an invisible um, invader. And so we have to make sure our borders are protected, but it's in the other way. We have to collaborate to make sure that it's not passing through our borders, especially intrastate, like within the, the five tribes here in North Dakota, interstate, and then in internationally. This is a very, very common uh, scenario that pandemic responders are have figured out like decades ago. This is okay. not, it was just a poor early detection, early response was just not, but that's what I want to. So, what, because again, we're not New Zealand, we're not Canada. I understand those numbers are obviously dramatically lower than ours. But you know, we're America. We like our freedoms. You're not going to struck down our liberties, if you will. And so, if you were governor of North Dakota and you say this was preventable, you knew this back in March. What would you have done differently than what Governor Burgum has done to have these numbers going in a different direction? 
Well, I would have uh, listened to the experts and our local knowledge. So, um, and make sure that this was not politicized, like we did make it politicized and make sure our local communities have the proper resources to understand just information wise, not the arbitrary color system we have, but also they have the proper um, resources. And the prediction that, you know, we have a shared value of education. So on when they closed on March 11th, they should have already been preparing for in-school classes in, in September. And that's, you're, it's doable. It's doable. I mean, I have a field hospital. So, so it's basically giving the, the towns and law enforcement structure and, and resources and tools. So he used, for example, you know, a top-down approach with National Guard was doing everything, as opposed to elevating the public health officials, which are actually the most locally trusted and knowledgeable for the communities. So that's an example. To be fair, though, Dr. Shelley, I guess I'm looking for specifics as far as would you have locked down the state? Would you have made a mask mandate? I mean, give me some specific examples of hard, concrete actions you would have taken where you say this is preventable. Yeah. So one, have a, a unity of command um, and separate the public or the politic, politics from the crisis management, number one. Number two, because he's eroded the public trust when you don't do that. But number two, it would be the best practices that helped other states. We we had time to prepare for this. It was rolling our way. We knew it was. New York messed up at first, but then they got you know their 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 um, their heads about them and started doing what they had to do to stop the exponential spread. Now, a couple months later, when it started to increase again. That's when we start, okay, how we knew more about the virus then. We knew we just need space and masks. And how do we enable our local communities, you know, our churches, for example, to meet? Well, if I can put a field hospital up overnight in a Guatemala jungle, we can put up a field hospital. I was also a school board member during the oil boom out here. We could put up temporary schools with the proper ventilation and masks. I would have started recruiting community health or community support, like AmeriCorps, which would be our tutors. Um, I don't know if you know what AmeriCorps is, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to that you can bring local um, uh, service in to start doing some of the private tutoring for some of the kids that weren't aren't able to go into to school. So right. like that, We're giving resources and tools. All right, stay with us for part two of my conversation with Dr. Shelley Lenz. There's a lot to it, so if you want to go to our Facebook page and watch it in its entirety, just go to facebook.com forward slash POV now. Looks like President Trump is wrapping things up there, so if there's any news, we'll have it for you when we come back. Right after this, please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.